It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Tournament favorites bow out a ballsy 101-minute equalizer. Some messy magic, manager sackings, a huge morning of action, and you are listening to The Gagan Pod. Hello and welcome to Optus Sports Football Podcast, The Gagan Pod. I'm Amy Duggan and today I'm joined by Premier League legend Michael Bridges. Hello, Bridgie. How are you? What an amazing day of football. This is why I love the world game. Do you know what it is? It's full of excitement. Two amazing matches in the quarterfinals and two more amazing matches to talk about tomorrow. Absolutely. Plenty of action still to come. We're also joined today by Optusport journalist Jack Austin, also one of the only journos I know to ever pull on a jersey at Stamford Bridge and get to grace the turf there. So, Jack, great to have you with us. How are you going after this morning's antics? Yeah, thanks for having me, Amy. Yeah, no, just about caught my breath back after all of that. But um, no, plenty to talk about. Plenty of action coming our way, and it was a crazy morning this morning. Mark Schwarzer will also be chiming in, and Bridgie, I reckon you need to watch your back on this one. As I said, it was crazy. Let's start with the first quarterfinal where Brazil faced Croatia. Of course, it was 1-1 at full time. Croatia winning 4-2 on penalties. We have to start with Brazil bowing out to a very gritty Croatian side. But, Schwarzy, this means Bridgie's tip is in the mud. Any advice for the great man? Well, look, I know it's hard for me to say something because Germany were my pick and they had a disaster, um, absolute disaster. So I'll hold my hand up and say, yeah, I got it absolutely wrong. But Bridgie, I tell you what, he's the worst worst winner there is, you know, like it's so smug. Um, but it's so great to see when he falls flat on his face um, and to see that, you know, his great Brazil have been knocked out. I mean, he'll claim now, like he always does with all his clubs, that he's got 100 clubs that he supports. So his next one will probably be England and say, well, of course, England are going to win it now. Um, and it's all set up and then wait until tomorrow night and we'll see what happens uh, to England. But uh, look, Bridgie, you know, we all get it wrong sometimes. You just get it more wrong more often than most of us. Righto, Bridgie, you get a right of reply. Yes, I knew he was waiting for his moment. That's why I've I've been worried sick about this <laughs> Blum and Gagan pod knowing that Brazil are out because I give Big Nose so much stick when Germany went out. <laughs> but what I will say, I've still got one team hanging in there. Brazil might have gone. I was absolutely gutted. Swartzy can eat humble pie when England lift the trophy and we get the World Cup once we beat France. So um, I'm hanging on to that. And I'm, I'm like I say, I'm, I'm gutted. I knew he would be excited that Brazil route, but I'm really gutted. I'm a football purist. I thought that they've entertained the whole World Cup. They were so dynamic in the game, trying to break down a strong Croatian defence who hung on. They had one shot on target. And it was a meaningful shot that went in the back of the net that sent it to extra time and penalties. So you've got to have game plans. And Croatia yet again have gone and done it on the penalty situation. But for me, I want to see Brazil. I want to see the magic flair. I don't want to see defensive teams. Yeah, we want to see goals. We want to see the trickery. We want to see amazing free kicks like we did in the second game. And we will have plenty of time to talk about that. But Jack, my tips are also down the drain. Uh, you know, I 
highest goal scorer going through and who's going to win. I had uh, Brazil written all over the place, so I'm out. Did you see this result coming? No, I'm with you, Amy. I had Brazil right from the start as well, so um, I think we're all in the mud this morning. But um, I think, no, I didn't see it coming. I think as soon as it went to extra time, though, there was uh, maybe some writing on the wall in the way that Croatia... um, they seem to pull it out when it comes to extra time. I think they've won the last four times they've been taken to extra time, uh, which is ridiculous considering on paper they're a bunch of 30-something-year-olds uh, supposedly on their last legs against a bunch of 20-something-year-olds full of life and energy. But it just shows that once you've got the nerves to do it, gets you through it. And um, yeah, I thought they were fully deserved it, the way they played and came back in extra time. Uh, with that last what, 170th minute uh, equaliser. It was brilliant. Jack, I'll give you it. 2018, round of 16, one on penalties. 2018, quarterfinals, one on penalties. 2018, semifinals, one in extra time. 2020, uh, round of 16, went on penalties. And we've just seen the quarterfinals, 2020, win on penalties. So if Croatia go to extra time in penalties, there's only one outcome. So fair play to them. They know their game plan. That's a great stat, Bridgie. But what did you make of uh, Brazil's approach to the shootout? First penalties in Ooh. professional football for a couple of the big names. Neymar missing out. I think we probably assumed he'd be the fifth penalty taker. What was the thinking behind the way that they set up this strategy? Do you know what it is? I think Neymar has gone for the glory, the fifth penalty, thinking that he would be the man that would settle it for his country. And, you know, when you think the the whole nation, the whole world are looking at this man and the country and they're hoping that somebody would step up to be the leader. And he's taking that, you know, he's waiting for the glorious moment. I think the difference between that when you watched Netherlands against Argentina, which we'll come to, both captains of them teams stepped up and were the ones that wanted to take it and get the first penalty done to take the pressure for the others. I think Neymar bottled it. He went for the glory rather than the the team camaraderie. But you know what it is? World Cups do funny things to people. And um, I just think it was a little bit of arrogance crept in for the Brazilians. But when you see that record of Croatia, they knew They'd been there, seen it and done it. And Jack just mentioned they're all experienced players. They've done the extra time. They know what it takes to get through on penalties and they look so composed. Uh, Bridgie, I'd, I'd love to know actually um, from your point of view whether you think it was Neymar's decision or if it was Tite because in the Brazilian press they're all going hammer and tong on Tite. They're calling him a coward, saying he's wasted the chance of his life, demanding he quits, saying it was all his fault for the way that the penalty shootout was uh, set up. But you seem to think it's Neymar. I would like to think it was the manager. I've got to be honest. I'd like to think that he's named that in that order um, rather than it being Neymar. It comes out that it is Neymar. Well, then he's gone for the glory. He's gone for the selfish opportunity. If it's the manager's decision, then he gets away with it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm hoping for Neymar's sake that it is the manager's decision. Well, he's paid the price, hasn't he? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, he's got to get back back to, you know, everything. I think this whole World Cup, there's been, as there should be, three players. Ronaldo, because of the saga that went on back home before the World Cup with Manchester United, the saga that's gone on in having to get dropped for the game and then a hat-trick being scored for the um, for Ramos that came on in his place. Messi, who seems to be, everything's fallen in his favour for this World Cup. And the Neymar that looked like he was going to start the World Cup really well in his first game, got injured. And all eyes were back on him again today and he didn't produce in the penalty shootout, but he did produce in the game. It was a it was a master stroke of a goal. So you know, the highs and lows of, of football and being being the um, some of the world's greatest players. Yeah, I think penalty shootouts are always an interesting one because I think a lot of the times the the order of takers are not necessarily in place before the event. Um, a lot of the times it can be based on how players feel then and there. Uh, I know of players that uh, 
you know, were, were certainly earmarked to take penalties. And when it came to the, the moment, they, they said straight away, held their hand up and said, no, I can't do it. I'm not ready for it. Um, it was surprising to me that Marquinhos and, and Casemiro was their first time ever taking a penalty at this level. Um, you know, Casemiro obviously uh, buried his. And then you look at Marquinhos, it was it sent the keeper the wrong way. He hit it too well and hit the post. And, and, and that's the end of it. Um, Neymar taking the fifth one. You know, you can always say that it's it's the one that hopefully is the glory one, and sometimes that is also the biggest pressure. Um, that 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 one to win the game can be the biggest pressure uh, to take the penalty. Um, so, I mean, I think you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Um, but I, I'd certainly like to see your better players taking your penalty sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of those uh, more intimate battles out on the pitch. So uh, the Croatian right-back, Josip Juranovic, is being praised for being one of the best performers so far after the way he neutralised Vinny Jr. Uh, Jürgen Klinsmann said that managers want to see these one-on-one -on -one battles. They want to see who drives who mad. Um, and in this case, he's basically said, I'm in charge here. I'm the boss. How good was he today? Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah, as you as you mentioned, he kept he kept Vinicius Junior quiet so much so that he came off, and then Rodrigo had a go at him, couldn't get past him. Neymar flo floated into those areas as well, and not, as well as keeping all those players quiet, he managed to attack as well. And um, yeah, it was a really phenomenal performance. Uh, I think if not for the drama of the penalty shootout, he would have been at the talk of the game. Otherwise, uh, obviously Celtic player under Ange Postecoglou, uh, so there's a bit of a Pat on the back there for Australians all of, up and down the country, but um, not sure he'll be at Celtic much longer after that performance. Now, Bridgie, Croatia were resolute and obviously have set up their final, semi-final against Argentina. But can I just remind you, I know you've got all these stats about penalty shootouts and when they win, when they go to extra time. This is off the back of only winning one game so far. One game so far and they're into the semi-finals. So can they go all the way or will Argentina be too much? Amy, this is tournament football. You don't have to be the team that gets the most possession, the team that gets the most shots. It's a one -up. Once you get through the group stages, you've got to have a game plan. And we saw with Morocco playing Spain, Morocco had a game plan. They're not going to be able to outpass Spain. They don't want to leave themselves exposed. So teams, you know, you respect like Son for um, South, uh, South Korea. They went and had a go against Brazil, but look what happened to them. They left themselves exposed, so the game plan was completely wrong. They tried to make it an entertaining game. Morocco and Croatia had a game plan. Can we beat Spain? No. Well, let's do it this way. And can we go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Brazil with the young, fit, one-on-one -on -one situations? Croatia knew that they couldn't. We've talked about the experience in the legs. It's They had a game plan, and they, they've got to be credited for it. You know, that when Brazil scored, I think everybody in the world went, right, that's a game over. It's done and dusted. Croatia have got to come out. They made a change up top and they were going to get a moment in the game. And when you're clinical like that and you take it, and, and they had the upper hand from then on in because it was, Brazil looked, Brazil looked done as soon as Croatia got the equaliser. And the past history has gone on to help Croatia. And I, I credit them as much as I would rather see Brazil. You've got to credit the tactics that have got them there in tournament football and one-off games. Well, I want to dig into that a little bit further because Brazil have bowed out early with the favourite tag on their back. It's a worrying trend that seems to be developing. I want to talk about mental resilience here. They got smashed 7-1 in a home semi-final back in 2014. Uh, disappointing quarterfinal exit to Belgium in Russia. And that's now been followed up by today's results. So, Schwartz, I want to bring you in here because does this Brazilian side now have a mentality problem? 
I think for Brazil, it's always a, a challenge, uh, the mental side of things. I mean, the expectation from the world of football, from the nation, is so huge um, that for players, it is difficult to carry that. And I, and I think we saw that today. Yesterday, it was a huge sense of relief when they finally broke the deadlock against Croatia by scoring that goal. And there was almost a sense of, yes, we've done it. Um, Croatia had, had a shot on goal and they felt like that was it. And obviously, the later the game went on, the more Croatia pushed forward and they get a little bit of luck. Croatia and score that goal. They seemed deflated. They really did seem like the weight of the world was on their shoulders and that they were going to struggle to live up to expectation. And I don't know how you fix that because you're talking about a nation that live and die for football and the history that they have wanting to be dominant, wanting to be that best team in the world is so great. Um, and I think for a lot of these players, it's really, really tough to deal with. I think Neymar actually dealt with it very well this World Cup. And, you know, I think the two games out being injured possibly gave him a massive scare. Maybe maybe allowed him to refocus and try and make the most of it when he got back on the pitch. And I thought he, I thought he was very, very good for Brazil at this tournament. Um, and uh, today he scored an absolute worldie of a goal. And I think the pressure that he has on his shoulders is enormous. And uh, the only thing I'd say is I'd like to see a player of his caliber step up and take a penalty sooner rather than go for that fifth one. And as we saw today, the fifth one was already too late. Jack, is it just about this generation of players or is it something culturally that we're seeing um, throughout the years with this Brazilian side? It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think they've gone out of the quarterfinals in each of the last three World Cups now um, when I think they've gone into almost all of them as a favourite, if not the favourite, to win it. Um, they've got such an embar embarrassment of riches going forward that I think we as football fans all just assume that they're going to gel really well but of course it's not all down to just how good the individuals are it's how good the manager is at putting them all on the pitch together and obviously Tite wasn't as good as we hoped he'd be in terms of watching them all gel together and play amazing football we, there were some incredible moments I think maybe the top three goals scored at the tournament so far have all been Brazilian um, so it's, it's, it's difficult they're all young uh, for a lot of them, it's their first time at the World Cup, so we can you can give them a sort of benefit of the doubt with the mentality-wise. But yeah, it's, I think we all would have liked to see them go a bit further, and we'd have loved to have seen them play against Argentina in the semi-final because what a matchup that would have been. I just wanted to see them win. That's all I cared about. Well, Bridgie, this loss has cost Tite his post uh, as Brazilian boss. Uh, we've talked through some of the issues here. Who do you think will replace him? Oh, who will replace him? My word. Come on, Amy. That's the that's the multi-million dollar question. Who will replace? Oh, do you know what it is? You've absolutely got a stump there. You, do you know, I, I couldn't tell you. I nearly said Pochettino there, but he's Argentinian, so there's no chance. <laughs> um, it's a tough one, isn't I, it? Jack, help us out here. I'm, I'm, I've, you've got us lost for words here. Yeah, I'm the same as you, Bridgie. Um, I'd love to see an attacking manager take charge. Um, I think they've had a lot of defensive managers uh, in the past 10-15 years and I'd love to see an attacking manager but like Bridgie the first one that came into my head was uh, like a Bielsa type character but also Argentinian so also zero chance of that happening. Well I guess only time will tell. You're listening to the Gagan Pod. We'll be right back to dissect Argentina's win over the Dutch after this short break. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to the Gagan Pod. Let's get right to it. Argentina scraping through against the Netherlands in a game that went from routine. It looked like Argentina had this one in the bag with just a few minutes to go to absolute chaos. It got fiery out there on the pitch. It was 2-2 at full time and Argentina have absolutely scraped through on penalties. Two goals from Wout Weghurst saw the Dutch take it to extra time. What a substitution that was, Bridgie. Yeah, do you know what it is? This game was absolutely fascinating because it was a, two teams that can go toe-to-door on possession. And, you know, with us all living in Australia and coming through the curriculum of the Dutch football, it's it's total football and play out at all costs on the back. And I absolutely loved it to see, you know, <laughs> Van Gaal go to two six-foot-four and six-foot-six strikers and put Van Dijk up top as well and basically go all guns blazing and play Sam Allardyce tactics. And what did he do? They got two bloody goals and got themselves back in the game. He went he went against all his countries and nations' philosophies. They'll be, they'll be Dutch ex-footballers and managers turning in their graves at that 20-minute passage of play. But it got them back in the World Cup. And what they did in the extra time, they tried to play out from the back again and totally threw the momentum back to Argentina. So they've only got themselves to blame, unfortunately. I totally agree with you, Bridget, because there was all this talk before the game about the Dutch system and the moving away from it. And we saw all those moments of brilliance in that final 20 minutes when they moved away from all of that and just and went for it. But obviously there's the big moment of the morning, 10 minutes stoppage time. We've seen teams going at it. It's it's 2-1. Um, nearly every single moment, I think by 20 seconds of that time, had elapsed when the Netherlands got a free kick just outside the box. They'd whacked one into the ball only, you know, uh, into the wall only a few minutes earlier. And for this ball to roll into Veghurst's feet to slot home the equalising goal, it was outlandish, it was outrageous, and I will just say just plain ballsy to do it at that time. Yeah, this, the, exactly, yeah. The, the the size of the cojones there to rather than shoot past the ball is... Unbelievable. But um, interestingly enough, uh, Vat Vekhorst actually scored an identical goal for Wolfsburg two years ago in the exact same situation. Oh, they needed you on the analysis team. Exactly. They, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> scrape through social media enough to, to see that one. But um, no, it was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Do you know, you've got to, to, to think in that moment, right, of the, the pressure that is on that free kick. They just missed one early, like you said, Amy. I think they've got one more shot on target. For the two players that are in control of that ball to recognise it's a right footer on it and a left footer, but they recognise that Argentina are just expecting a shot on target. So they've got the wall piled up. The Dutch actually had a 3v1 situation inside that bond on the penalty spot there where Veghorst was. And to recognise it and, and actually get the eye contact, to have the simulation, to be able to pull that moment off is a stroke of genius and in in to keep your composure in that final moment of the game. So... Uh, I just I was sitting watching it with my wife and my daughter and it was just like what the hell's just happened and we get to see 30 more minutes of this game it was it was it was brilliant 
Um, yeah, and, and like I say, I just wish that would seen the Dutch go, you know what it is, let's just keep going Route 1 because they had Argentina on the back foot. One of the moments of the tournament so far, that is for sure. Well, here's the headline because Messi marches on. Uh, he has a goal and an assist, uh, similar to the Aussie game as well, by the way, seeing Argentina scrape through on the back of their superstar. He, like, honestly, he's just a magician, isn't he? I'm okay that Australia lost to Messi because I watched today and I just think he's unbelievable how he squeezed that ball through the channel for that first goal, how he even saw the channel to squeeze it through. Um, absolutely outstanding. Go on, Jack, you take this because I'll talk about this guy for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only a half an hour podcast, Bridgie, so uh, maybe that's why. <laughs> save, um... the, save the listeners, you take it away. <laughs> no, I think, um, well, yeah, what can you not say about him? Uh, he was... Unbelievable. It's very similar to the Australia game, as you mentioned, Amy. I think no outfield player has walked more on the pitch than Messi during this World Cup. And it's almost just the genius way that he does it because <laughs> he's just walking around until he finds a spot and then he just switches on and then does something genius. The pass for the first goal was unbelievable. And then the the nerves, to be able to hold his nerves and score that penalty, obviously after missing the last one he took, um, it just shows the the make of the man, and um, yeah, I think as long as he's on form, there's no reason why Argentina can't get to the final, why they can't win it. My only worry is that if he's not on form, if someone works out how to stop him, I mean they haven't for the past 15 years, so I'm not sure why they would now. But if if they do find a way to stop him, that's when I'd start to worry about Argentina's prospects in this World Cup. Can I just say that pass that we've talked about? One moment when Messi ran through with the ball, I've tried to see every angle or as many angles as possible. He doesn't to look. See if, to see if he's had a glance, Amy, and he doesn't look. So, you know, when we're doing this, the analysis, and I've got the, the people on the TV here, and they're saying, oh, if we highlight this, and if you just have a look here, and you try and give the layers at the eyes of the vision of what the player sees, he's looking down at the ball. He doesn't, he's got no right to see that, man. This guy hasn't got 20 20 vision. He's got 50 50 if it's even possible. It's just amazing. An extra set of eyes. Um, oh. Messi's now level with Gabriel Batistuta, by the way, on 10 World Cup goals for Argentina. So there's another, uh, just, you know, another one to, to tick off the list for him. Let's go to the penalty shootout, though, because it was all about Emmy Martinez saving the first two and setting his side up for victory. Yeah, it was, uh, he, well, he was just brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, the wingspan on him is just huge. I think he's just got a massive advantage over everybody else. When he puts his arms out, when you've got a goalkeeper that big with his arms that wide... How daunting is it to try and get the ball past him? Schwartzy, what did you make of it? I was watching the penalty shootout uh, for Argentina against the Netherlands. And I said to someone sitting next to me, Argentina, have got this. And they just looked at me and said, what do you mean? I go, Emmy Martha's is a goal and he will save a couple of penalties. And I said it before the penalty shootout was taken. You know, we saw him at Copa America. I've seen him in the Premier League save penalties. He's just got something about him in penalty shootouts. And, and we're talking about fantastic saves as well because the two penalty saves he made tonight were outstanding right up there so there's no fluke there's no it's hard work it's obviously a bit of a bit of uh feeling that's involved obviously research um and he obviously loves the occasion of being there on a penalty shootout and he rises to the occasion and he was absolutely phenomenal today again on that penalty shootout so i mean i i, I do question certainly in the first goal he conceded his positional play a little bit um and uh but he certainly made amends in the penalty shootout and that's absolutely huge because the pressure in that scenario is enormous albeit mostly on the taker however 
Emmy Martinez, because he's building a reputation, there is a huge sense of expectation on his shoulders from the Argentinian public to make saves. And he certainly stood up tonight and he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, there we go again. Jack, I didn't want to answer you, mate, because the goalkeeper's union, I knew he would cover everything off like that. Um, it was the goalkeeper's night. Swartz, saved him in the penalty shootout in World, in World Cup qualifiers and World Cups. He knows what it's all about. I thought Martinez was magic. I've, I'm going to give him credit. And yeah, it was, it, it was his night. It, it was his night. I thought he was um, to gamble on both them penalties, but it was the manner which he did it. Like you say, he looks so strong. Um, but Argentina, the penalty takers, I've got to say, Messi, calm as you like, stepped up, captain's performance, he, he didn't let the pressure, and the mind games that you think he's done, he's just scored a goal at one side and the right-hand side and in during the game, and he's thinking, right, is the goalkeeper still going to go that way? So Messi's head must have been so messed up, the pressure that's on him, he just slotted it, the other, he waited for the keeper to dive, brilliant. And then the other Argentinian penalties, the side netting um, and top corner, I just thought were were superb. They they, they well and truly deserved it. And I, I I think it was set after penalties one and two when Van Dijk missed and Messi scored. I think that was the, the, the moment because when you see a captain do that, I think that, that can drain you a hell of a lot. We are going to see Argentina taking on Croatia in the first of the semi-finals. Am I game to ask you guys for a tip on this one? Um, I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I think it, it does depend. I think it's actually a really tough one to call. I think it almost certainly going to go to extra time. Uh, and I think the longer it goes on, the more chance Croatia have got. Uh, I think it depends how quickly Argentina can close it out. They didn't close it out really against Australia. They didn't close it out today. So I think if they can get through that hurdle of how to close out a game, then it's theirs. If they can't, then we could be sat here again next week talking about another penalty shootout. I would love to see Croatia get through and get to that final because I want England to get redemption from the semi-final <laughs> defeat in the last World Cup and bring it on in the final and then we will settle the bloody score. I love for you, Bridget, that it's all about England. It doesn't matter about the other all teams. Right, it's I'm all gonna, how all it right, interacts I'll, with England. I'll, Just pick it. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take I'll take the, the heart out of it and I'll put me football and mind on. <laughs> Thank I hope you. Argentina win because they're footballers. <laughs> Actually, they're all footballers. I mean, they're an attack. I, I just want... I want it to be Messi. If England don't get yeah. in the final, I would love to see Messi lift the World Cup. Yeah, I said pre-tournament. I think the romantic in me would like to see Messi either lift the World Cup yeah. or be player of the tournament. I think it's befitting uh, of his career that he ends on a high. We know that football doesn't always uh, finish that way, but I also have a little romantic in me that would like to see that happen. And what a storyline that Australia gets knocked out by Messi and a mistake to the eventual champions. That also sits a little more comfortably with me as an Aussie supporter. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what you want to talk about, Bridgie. We'll go to tomorrow. I'm going to make you hold out for just a couple more seconds. Morocco takes on Portugal first up. Uh, it's some scintillating attack versus some solid defence. So, Jack, who's going to win this one? Uh, well, the, the head says Portugal, isn't it? The way that they swept aside Switzerland in the last round, I thought that they were absolutely unbelievable. Um, Definitely made me rethink who I thought was going to win the tournament. I now think if they are able to reproduce that without Ronaldo on a regular basis, they're going to be the team to beat in this tournament. Um, again, Morocco, though, shouldn't be overlooked. They've beaten some big teams already. But I do think Portugal are just going to be too strong. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the sideshow on the bench with Ronaldo and the 
thousands of photographers all pointing their cameras away from the pitch. I like that you said he's on the bench. You've made the call already. Ronaldo's on the bench. Oh, you can't you can't start him after the last game, can you? Probably not. The way it went, um, I th- yeah, I think I think he's still got a part to play at this World Cup. I think he he he's actually, in my opinion, one of the perfect bench players because he can come on tired legs and can jump eight foot in the air. And I think when you're facing against tired defenders and you need a goal, he is almost the perfect player to bring on. If he can switch his mentality to focusing on that as his new role, then Portugal just got a whole new other dimension when things aren't going right from the start. He's, he's the new Bobby Ball. He's the H2O water boy. <laughs> That's what he's going to be good at for the rest of the World Cup. The, the Vout Bear Oh, Bobby, is it Bobby Boucher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you want to know what it is? I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back here. Pat on the back. I called Morocco to beat Spain um, on the on the last pod that we did. I really fancied them because I've I've liked what they're all about. The energy levels that they've shown on the counter attack, they've absorbed pressure. Um, can they do it against Portugal? I'm going to stick with Jack. I don't. I would. I would like to think they're going to make a game of it, which I know they will. But I just think Portugal's last performance was. Uh, absolutely sublime in everything that they did and it's quite interesting that Ronaldo wasn't on the field and the dynamics in the press in the counter-attacking press was superb they were able to do because they had fresh young legs on a remarkable opportunity for some of their young guns to stand up all right here we go the later game it's England taking on France an absolute blockbuster if you're a football fan anywhere in the world no doubt your eyes will be glued to the screen for this one but Bridgie, I, I don't dare not even ask where this one's going in your eyes. Well, you 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 can because I've got no idea. <laughs> I, 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 you, you know what I'd love to say, but the the French, um, the way Mbappe's been on form, the way Gris, you know people are forgetting. Nobody's talking about Griezmann. You know he's he's been the most played, consistently player selected for the French. I think in seventy odd games. I don't think he, he's just he's their go to man. Um, he can play, you know, he starts the attacks off. He, he defends a lot more than he does um, when he plays for club level. I think he's the one to watch. And Giroud, obviously, is the all-time record scorer now. So it's going to be very, very tough. I just hope, what I'm going to say, I hope that England don't change to a back five. I like what they've been doing with the four and the three midfielders and then obviously the, the three up top. And I hope Gareth doesn't think, you know what it is, we'll, we'll double up and what they might do is put a Kyle Walker as right centre-half and play Trippier as a wing-back so they try and do a, a two-man job on Mbappe because that's shown the respect to France. Whereas we've got this far in the tournament so far with some very, very good performances and probably the best attacking and goal-scoring ratio I've seen England do under Southgate and I don't want us to go back defensively. I can't call it, but I do think it will go to extra time. Yeah, I agree with Bridgie. Um, I think I hope they don't go to the back five either, uh, but I think they might. Um, I saw an interview with Steve Holland, who's Gareth Southgate's assistant, and he'd said that the England had been planning to face Mbappe for two years. So I think they've they've co- definitely covered all the bases. And unfortunately, I do think they'll probably go to a back five. And then it, I agree as well that Griezmann is probably the one who's been overlooked and is the person who is making France tick at the moment. And if they can keep him quiet, if they can keep Mbappe quiet, there's a lot of ifs there, then yeah, England should go through. But I don't think I don't think you can call it on paper. I think only two or three French players even get into the England starting eleven. But somehow, I just I just can't pick it. I just can't pick it. I think it's going to be extra time. 
I did see an amazing bit of graphics on Twitter where it had the England lineup, and we played with Harry Kane up top and everybody else at right back. So we had ten Mark and Mbappe, <laughs> and that was the that was the tactics that were suggested we go and do. So uh, uh, it remains to be seen. We might play a back five. We might actually play a back ten. You never know. Well, maybe that's why Southgate's been picking uh, right backs for all the tournaments for so long. <laughs> well, for the last two years, anyway. Apparently, Jack, yeah. uh, given your your research there. Uh, Harry Kane's also looking to equal a record tomorrow, Bridgie. Ooh, enlighten me. Normally, I love me. I, I normally, I'm top of all my stats. So, what you got for us? Uh, Wayne Rooney will equal as many goals for England as Wayne Rooney. So, uh, that'll be a good one. Maybe he'll score a hat trick and zoom on past him. There's a couple of other, Ooh, uh, a couple of other records so. up for grabs tomorrow during that game as well. I well, actually think England. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to be watching. Sorry, Amy, I'm going to be watching the game at Newcastle United Stadium at Shearer's Bar tomorrow. So that could be going mental if Harry Kane does score there, I'll tell you what, because one number nine in Shearer in his bar and we're going to be cheering on the number nine of Harry Kane. So there you so, go. So here's the question. Are you actually turning up for the pod tomorrow, Bridgie, or will you be too pissed to join us? Well, uh, I might have to put win- my own wager on that one right now. Amy, Amy, you know my motto, and it is win, draw, lose on the booze. I will be here whether I am steaming or whether I am sulking or whether I am happy. Don't let I me down, Bridgie. Don't let me down. Um, <laughs> there would, there's no one else I would rather talk about this game with than you right now, uh, England versus France. I actually think England are going to win this, and quite convincingly, there you go. I'm going to stick my neck out and say a 2-0 win to England. In normal time, I just have this weird feeling um, things are going to go their way. Of course, you can catch um, that one coming your way at 6 o'clock in the morning. We'll return with the Gagan Pod and break it all down for you because it is daily during the World Cup. Uh, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars while you're there. Jack Austin, thank you for your research, your insight, your statistics. Bridgie, thank you for your ever-England-loving humour um, and also a little bit of insight and analysis there. And Mark Schwartzer for joining us too at the ungodly hour that it is over there. A big reminder too that the WSL continues in the UK, including a whole host of Aussie Matildas. All those games are live and exclusive on Optus Sport. I've been your host for today, Amy Duggan. Look forward to talking to you again tomorrow. And thanks for listening to The Gagan. Yeah.